Hello and welcome into a special episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. Today we are announcing a new show. It was announced earlier this week, but today is the first look with our host of the Gamer Hour, Mr. Chris Puckett. With a guy like Chris, it's hard to know where to start the research. Should I pull up Gamepedia for Halo, Call of Duty, Overwatch, CSGO, Valorant? He's dabbled in sports sims, the FGC, League of Legends, and most games, honestly. His nearly two-decade career is taken through key roles behind the scenes, on the sticks, and as the face of broadcasts with companies driving esports like Major League Gaming, Activision Blizzard, and Riot Games. This week, Esports Network allows its latest project, The Gamer Hour, a new late-night talk show filmed from the Reuters studio in Times Square, hosted by Mr. Puckett. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Mitch. Excited to be here tonight. Really excited to talk with you. If I had to make my ultimate guest list, you would have been really close to the top. And I'm really excited to talk with you in this framing of working with Esports Network and this new show. On this episode, we're going to be talking about Chris's background, in case you don't already know it, some of the interesting trends in Esports and Gaming at large, and some of our plans for the Gamer Hour. To start, the Gamer Hour is this blend of late night TV combined with the gaming audience's and with Puckett, he's been the host of so many amazing broadcasts over the years, now transitioning to the Gamer Hour, transitioning to uh, this model that's so tried and true over time. These hosts that do late night shows are all easily identified by one name. You think of giants like Letterman and Leno, modern figures like Kimmel, Fallon, Colbert, and more. Who's your favorite late night host and why did the format appeal to you? Let's start with the format. I mean, this is something I grew up on. I'm 34 years old now, and I remember just every night going to bed, my dad watching late night TV. It's something that has always just been part of my life, and I love to watch the evolution. I think right now, if I'm watching late night, my favorite's got to be Fallon. He's playing the most games. He's having the most fun with the people on his show. But also, Conan O'Brien, he doesn't follow everyone else's rules he goes off the beaten path he's got a sidekick with him and andy um i i feel like that's that's the format i'm gonna want to approach with it's just fun let's go off script let's make the producers freak out a little bit and let's let's put on a show for the audience if the producers aren't freaking out are you really doing your job as a host a hundred percent hundred <laughs> percent. That, that's, that's kind of my favorite part of is working on a show is I've had titles of executive producer in the past. Um, any show that I, that I'm really onto, I love to have a lot of creative input. So I very much see myself as more than a host on this show. I'm really excited to put my own creative vision on a lot of our episodes. We're certainly excited for it too. There are a few people who understand the esports and gaming audiences, uh, better than you. And now while the Gamer Hour is going to focus on bringing in both non-gamers and gamers, the non-gamers are rapidly becoming the minority in those. What have you learned about the gaming audience that may be unique to them in your time as a player, hosted caster over the last 18 years? I think we just got to go back to high school. Um, I had an, a license plate. Xbox freak. Xbox <laughs> FRK. Didn't date a lot of girls that year. Uh, but... <laughs> You know what? As I got to college, it became more mainstream. And now if you look today, you look at FaZe Clan, I think is a perfect example. Little Yachty, Offset. Everybody wants to be in gaming today and everyone naturally is. Travis Scott has a character in Fortnite. Like, <laughs> gaming is the new wave. It's the cool thing to do. And I think at this point of time in 2020, 2021, 
everyone that you see in the entertainment industry at some time has their hands on the sticks or a mouse and keyboard. That's what's really crazy about it. Cause I had those same experiences growing up, you know, we're playing smash bros melee in the club after school and it wasn't where the cool kids hug out. I gotta be honest. And now in the, in the modern day of gaming, everyone's a gamer. You hear, I hear, I talk to some of my friends who are teachers and all their kids are just doing Fortnite dances. Cause that's the cool thing to do. And it's an awesome mark because I feel like there was a lot of people who were gamers even prior to this. And over the last few years, gaming sort of come out of the shadows a little bit. And people have been really proud to embrace what it means to be a gamer and that all the different games they play, they want to talk about them. They want to think about them. And now they're being integrated into them in all these unique ways. Absolutely. I mean, I think Fortnite is probably doing it better than everyone else out there, but it's it's the future of entertainment. It's the one creative space where you can cross blend music, film, comics and more. It's the ultimate experience for me in, in the entertainment world right now. Absolutely. Fortnite's been an insane case study. I mean, Travis Scott's concert alone really blew some people away. I was talking to some of the Adweek editors uh, a few weeks ago. They were just like, Wait, how many people watched this concert? 27.7 million unique players over the course of one weekend in April. While everyone was stuck at home, yes, but just an absolutely staggering number watching this psychedelic Travis Scott in-game concert. Uh, it really highlighted where entertainment is going and what's so unique about gaming spaces. And also on the celebrity guest front, it's been really cool to see all the different people coming out supporting gaming, whether that's investing in esports companies like Michael B. Jordan or Ashton Kutcher, whether that's smuggling a monitor into the NBA bubble like we saw Josh Hart do a few days ago, or whether that's Travis Scott holding this massive Fortnite concert or Drake streaming with Ninja a year or two. That's two years ago now. It's crazy. If you had a wish list for guests, who would be on it on the Gamer Hour? The whole goal is to bring in these celebrities, these people who uh, drive culture forward in so many ways and have them talk about gaming, something that they're really passionate about. If you had a wish list, can you give me an athlete, an actor, and a musician who would be at the top of that list? Okay, so I'm just going off the top of my brain, and this is no order. Uh, Will Ferrell, actor. Ryan Reynolds, actor i just want to hang out with the, both of those people that sounds like i think fun. it would be i think it would be a blast of a show um when it comes to athlete i feel like i want to beat tom brady in madden i'm never gonna beat him in anything else in life so if i can beat him in madden that would make my day um and Does then tom and brady then, play madden do you think i wonder uh, Oh, he's got to. He's got to. I mean, he's got the old man hands now at 43, but I, I think Tom, he he's still hip with it. So I think he'll be able to play and hold his own. He can make the decisions on the fly, at least on offense. We'll see how he holds it down on defense. Um, oh, when it comes to pick your defense apart, <laughs> he would pick right? it apart. It would be dirty. I'm going to have to use every glitch I know in the book. <laughs> when it comes to the musicians, though, I, I feel like that is the one I'm most excited about. And, and when you look at the history of late night TV, it's upcoming artists. And if you look at my Spotify playlist, there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily in the mainstream right now. So I'm looking at people like my man, Just Juice. He, he hasn't hit it big yet. He's got one of the fastest mouth in the rap, in the rap game. Um, I think he would be super exciting to talk to. But 
also guys like Logic who are now hanging up the headphones and they're taking over a new career on Twitch.tv. I think Logic has to be number one when it comes to musicians on my book. Logic would be awesome. And like you mentioned, just recently retired from music or at least announced his retirement. I'm not going to hold that in stone quite yet. Uh, to stream on Twitch, almost shades of like a famous athlete retiring after their career and going into the broadcast booth and becoming like a Tony Robo or something at a color commentator. I feel like we're going to see more and more celebrities who have successful careers, whatever sport it's in, finish it up and in the twilight be like, no, actually now I'm going to go be on Twitch and you can connect with me there. I'm going to play video games. I'm going to listen to music and I'm going to share my thoughts on that. And it's going to be really interesting to see if more and more celebrities follow Logic's path and embrace gaming platforms whenever they're done with their chosen career path. Yeah, I think gaming allows you to interact and to just be a part of your community, unlike any other platform right now, especially on Twitch, when you're able to just read your chat and talk with your people. It's it's the same as your Instagram live. And it's even more intimate because you can then invite them into your lives and play with these people. So I love that logic is making this transition. Yes, he may be putting an end to his music career or at least pausing it temporarily. But now he is still engaging this fan base, the people that he has loved and he has always put music out for. It's one of the really cool things about Twitch and why it's been such a successful platform at all streaming services at large, but generally Twitch, why it's been so successful over the years is this ability to connect with people in a way that you mentioned Instagram Live and it works, but Twitch has this added level, this deeper connection uh, with the streamers, partially because of where the platform started and just seeing people in their own bedrooms playing video games, uh, just that natural gaming connection that comes with that. It's been really cool to see celebrities embrace the platform and also understand what it means to be a Twitch streamer. I just saw Austin Eckler uh, was quoted in an Esports Observer article. And Austin Eckler is a running back for the San Diego, oh, sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers recently. Yes, moved, LA Chargers. LA Chargers. I'm an LA Rams fan. We have competition now. It's fine. Uh, Share stadium. LA, It'll be fine. <laughs> they rent the stadium. They rent the stadium. From, <laughs> it's our stadium. Let's, let's get it clear. It's ours. <laughs> they they pay rent. We're the landlords. Uh, he, he was talking about how a lot of athletes, you know, streaming on Twitch isn't enough and you actually have to be engaging with chat and doing that. And it's cool to see athletes recognize that you know, just throwing up a game while you play it isn't quite enough. Re really why people come to Twitch isn't necessarily to see great gameplay unless you're the best of the best. It's to connect with people. Uh, and celebrities are now seeing that and joining the platform in waves, which is really cool. Absolutely. And I, I think Austin is one of the pioneers when it comes to athletes that are still in the middle of their peak of their career right now. And they're doubling down. If I'm going to work out, why not work out with my community? He's doing workouts with anyone who wants to join him. He's then jumping on Warzone. He's playing Fortnite with him. He played in the Bud Light Seltzer Charity Royale, I remember, helping raise over $500,000 for charity. It's athletes who have this time on their hands, especially in a year like 2020 when we're hit with the pandemic. And you just love to see the growth. And I feel like this is just the beginning. More and more eyes are now coming to these streaming platforms and more and more people are getting involved. And we're going to continue to see the growth of this as you're going to see larger fan bases flock to these platforms, but also even lesser names. Um, people like uh, we, we got Mr. Belk 
who is crushing it. He was an NC State wide receiver. Now he's going pro in Call of Duty Warzone. If you're competitive, especially if you are a, a high-skilled athlete, I think you just see that mentality transition into the hardcore world of gaming and especially the esports side. And it's great to see people like Chandler Flor- Flourish. There we go. Flor- Floric? Flourish. Flourish. Thank you. <laughs> just like that. It's... uh. You got to flourish if you want to be on the gaming platform. And you're right. It's This competition has always driven so many people in esports. One of my favorite lesser known esports people is One Wild Walnut. If you don't know that name, he's the setter for Blazer 5 Gaming in the NBA 2K League. League MVP, the first season of the league. And he was a Juco center before playing in NBA 2K. And he always said how he approached NBA 2K with the exact same way he approached the uh, playing basketball for his college. And I, I thought that was really interesting in just how that competitive spirit translated so naturally to him being MVP the very first year of the league because there are so many similarities between that competitive spirit uh, that happens in sports and also works in esports as well. It's all about that competitive mindset, baby. Drives you forward. That's an interesting Take going off the rails a little bit, you started your career as a player with that competitive mindset. How have you kept that over the years as you had to work with people going to these corporate settings? Uh, But competition is still pretty prevalent in a lot of these corporate places. How has that competition that started with your days as a player uh, guided you throughout your, your career? I think it's just setting expectations and if you're competitive your expectation is to be amongst the best or to be the best and i don't know if i've always tried to compete with others to say i deserve more money i deserve more recognition we deserve more love but i always challenge myself to put out the best performance um i think that was definitely something that helped me grow rapidly as a broadcaster early on in my career is i would go back and I would watch the film and I would take notes of my previous performances. What did I like? What did I not like? What can we work on? If you're competitive, if you have that mindset, you set yourself on a another level of expectations and you never want to, you never want to let yourself down. So I think just having that competitive mindset and, and always wanting to push yourselves forward is a great asset. And it's going to be something that is going to transfer whether you're a competitor, a musician, an artist, always expecting more from yourselves is going to continue to elevate you in your career. Definitely. Watching yourself back is such a hard thing to do, but is so incredibly important. When I started this podcast a year and a half ago now, I hated listening to it as I did the editing, but I'm so thankful that I was the one doing the editing because listening to it time in and time out, I was so awkward when I started this show, just like anybody who is when they start a show like that. And, you know, it really made, makes a big difference to listen to yourself, examine yourself critically, and push yourself to, to another level. And that's something that we're going to try to apply to the Gamer Hour, I think, where it's uh, trying to make this show something really unique, something really special. Uh, we've got massive partners in Reuters coming live from Times Square. We've got one of the biggest, one of the longest running award-winning hosts of the business. That'd be you. And we've got a great team over at Esports Network behind it. What are you really excited for about this show uh, coming up in a few months here? What, what are you looking forward to the most out of it? 
Mitch, I don't know how old you are, but I consider myself a grandpa in the esports world at the age of 34. But back in my day, we had a show <laughs> called TRL, Total Request Live, hosted by Carson Daly. And that is what I came home and immediately turned on my TV as soon as I got home from school every single day. He did the show live from Times Square, and that is what I'm most excited about. I now have an opportunity to host my love of gaming and showcase that with athletes, entertainers, musicians, personalities from all over the world in the best place on the planet, which is Times Square right here in New York City. I think that's uh, it's a dream come true. And it's kind of amazing to think that this is even a possibility. Just what I started 15, 16 years ago on the broadcast side, uh, going back to 2002 as a competitor. It's such a short window. And I never thought something like this would be even possible. But also just going back to the original mentality is every show, I want to have the next one even stronger. I, wa I want to constantly improve. I want to have the whole team catering to our audience. And this is something that we are building for the gamer fan base, gaming, pop culture, all combining in one place for the people. So I I'm really excited to hear the fan input and to put it into our show and actually make it a reality from show to show. Absolutely. I'm incredibly excited to see what you do with the creative control over this show. As you've mentioned the history of gaming, can we roll back the clock just a little bit? Over the years, uh, since 2002 and all the times through the broadcast, what were some moments that stick out about the mainstreaming of gaming? The things that led to this moment of a show in Times Square with the biggest celebrities in the world all talking gaming. What were some moments that stand out as you think about the history of gaming and the history of your career uh, that led up to this? I can speak specifically on my side of things in my career growth. So I started playing in 2002, traveling anywhere within a four-hour radius of Columbus, Ohio, and doing money bets, $100 bets to play Halo against 22-year-olds as a 16-year-old, uh, people who were in college, people who were out of college. It didn't matter. If you had money and you thought you were good at the game, I was like a pool shark. I would come to you, I would take it easy on you game one, and then I'd go for the throat game two with the money up the next level. Um, from there, I, I realized, you know, there's not enough, there's not enough money in this sport right now there's not enough money in this industry so i went to the tournament organization side and as a loudmouth trash talker i was able to reach out to all different communities across the country and we ended up hosting our first tournament and that first LAN event that i ever threw i knew we were onto something because we had over 100 teams sign up we had players flying in from hawaii to philadelphia pennsylvania everyone was driving from Florida, we had kids going 30 hours from the West Coast, taking their time through the mountains to get to us out in Pennsylvania to compete. And just to see the passion, it wasn't just something that was happening in my hometown. This was way before Xbox Live, by the way, back in the early Halo days. I knew this was something that was going to be special. From that moment, I was pretty happy just to put on these small events, have a little bit of cash behind it. But when Major League Gaming got their first $10 million investment, I knew, okay, it's not just me who believes it as a high schooler. It's the people with some money in the finance world, especially the folks that are coming out of New York City, backing the young upstarts of Sundance, D. Giovanni, and Mike Sepso. Um, after that, in 2006, we started making a TV show, and that was where I got my first eyes on production entertainment and working for three months on our first USA MLG Pro Circuit broadcast, uh, or I guess series that we put on USA Networks. I was like, okay, we can create 
a sport out of this. We can edit down all of the highlights and we can tell the story of all of these kids. Once we saw the feedback from the show and we continued to see that growth at the events, I just it reaffirmed that this is something that is going to be a mainstay, that this is something that is going to be huge. Once Fortnite came out, though, I think that's where everyone around the world recognized it. You didn't have to be uh, a young man playing in high school. It was my nieces, my nephews, my aunts, my uncles. Everyone in my family was aware of finally of what I've been doing in this gaming space and how big it truly could be. It's crazy. I feel like everyone had that moment of the absolute staggering amount of people that are involved in this space. For me, it was six years ago when I was playing TESPA out of a University of Oregon uh, dorm room playing Hearthstone. And I scrolled through the list of all the colleges who were competing in this. And the list just went on and on and on. And I was aware of esports, but I never quite realized just how massive this could be. For that point on, my sports broadcasting degree went into esports, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in this industry because I was so confident in it. And it's taken me to this point right now where we're talking about the Gamer Hour. And I just love that we've all been united over this shared passion for gaming, for competitive gaming. And there are so many cool things to do with it going forward. Yeah, I feel like we're still in the infancy. That's how I always describe it to people is year after year we're growing, but it's still in its infancy. This felt, these last few months especially, and you know, I think everyone's sick of talking about the pandemic. I don't really like to talk about it that much in these shows anymore, but it has been a moment for gaming. And you know, I don't like to frame it as like, oh, the pandemic has been great for esports. It really hasn't. A lot of companies have been... Uh, impacted really, really harshly by this. But what it has done is it's made a lot of people understand gaming and see gaming on these big platforms. People are talking about it. People are betting on it here in Las Vegas. People are uh, just consuming gaming content day in and day out. And if the pandemic's done anything for gaming, it's that. It's people's awareness of video games and also the celebrities. When the NBA season goes away, you see all the NBA players playing NBA 2K. You see Wade Gretzky, a 70-year-old, playing NHL uh, with, with some friends for charity and all these different aspects of gaming uh, coming to the forefront, things that were already there but are being amplified now, uh, especially when it comes to the mainstream celebrity as gaming became uh, a way they could give back. A lot of charity events using gaming from musicians, actors, and athletes. And just a lot of people playing video games, starting up Twitch streams while we were on hiatus, while there were no events. Uh, so it feels like this has been a real moment and the Gamer Hour is coming at a perfect time to capitalize on this confluence of digital culture with gaming. Absolutely. And uh, real quick, Wayne Gretzky, almost 60. The man is still 59. Not 70 yet, Mitch. Not I'm 70 sorry. Yet. <laughs> no, no, you're good. But, you could uh, be my grandpa. I, I remember him, though, just because he created or was the face of one of the greatest games of my generation. If you played Wayne Gretzky's hockey on the N64, you are in my friends group right now. You could just go around hitting people as much as you wanted. I played it like it was NFL Blitz trying to take out people versus scoring. But I feel like that was one of those games that defined my generation. And to see him going back and now still playing NHL, 
it, it just brings so much joy to me. And Wayne, if you're listening to this somehow, <laughs> please come on the show. I would love to play N64 with you. Let's go back to the roots and what actually started my passion as an Ohio boy with no interest in hockey. That game got me into it. I'm so sorry, great one. I, I apologize for transgressing on your age. Uh, that That is the the pinnacle of the list. You know, you say Tom Brady, but Wade Gretzky would really be the most surreal moment I could possibly imagine for the Gamer Hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, hey, I want to wrap up this show. I, I know it's 8 o'clock out in NYC where you're at right now. So I appreciate you taking the time on this Thursday night to talk some esports, to talk the Gamer Hour. And so a final plug for the Gamer Hour. What are you looking forward to? What's coming up? And what should people be on the lookout for in the coming weeks as we ready up for lunch? Uh, you know, I'm kind of wondering what we're doing, writing up for lunch myself. We are kicking things off here, hopefully in September. COVID is kind of getting in the way of our original plan, so we're rejiggering a lot of things. But I'm excited to go back to a studio. I'm excited to see the background of Times Square and just feel the energy of New York City behind us. But most importantly, I'm excited about our guest. I don't just want to talk with professional athletes, musicians, and the biggest names you can catch on TMZ. I also want to be talking with some of the biggest names in gaming. And I think you're going to see that all on the Gamer Hour. This is going to be a special space. It's going to be a special show. We are going to be listening to the fans. We are going to be actively acting on the feedback. And uh, I feel like this is going to be something, a project that I'm really excited about working on, not just for a short term, but hopefully for the long term. Big shout out to Reuters for giving us the space in downtown New York. Uh, big shout out to everyone who's going to be tuning in. And thank you all for the social media love. I wasn't sure how people were going to take the announcement. We put up just a simple graphic on Twitter and it's blown up. So thank you all for supporting me throughout my career up to this point. This is a new challenge. It's going to be a new, exciting way of working for me. And it's something that I think everyone is going to enjoy a fresh take on gaming here in 2020. Absolutely. We're incredibly excited. So glad that Esports Network has been able to play a part at connecting these people, connecting Reuters, getting it to Times Square, getting you to host the show. You were on the top of our list of potential hosts when we first brainstormed this show. And so it's so awesome to see everything finally coming together. To our listeners in this audience, I'm sure you'll want to check out the Gamer Hour. We'll be updating you, you know, with COVID happening right now. Flexibility is absolutely key. So we'll be updating you on more information about the show when you can see it uh, and what it's going to entail. So be on to check out Esports Network, our page, check out Reuters and check out Puckett's social media. If you don't already follow it, what are you doing? If you don't already follow it, go follow it now and you'll be updated on the Gamer Hours so you stay up to date on all the latest news. For Chris Puckett, I'm Mitch Reeves. This was the Esports Network podcast. Thank you all for listening. Actively acting.